Welcome to the Vail Christian Church Podcast. This week, we're starting a brand new series out of John called Raid the Darkness. Pastor Ben Pitney has the message titled Life in His Name. Join us in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. At Vail Christian Church, we believe in training followers of Christ to worship, gather, give, and serve. New Year. You know, um, when the new year comes around like this, um, man, it's such a great opportunity for a fresh start for all kinds of things. Don't you like that? Don't you like a clean sheet of paper? Don't you like a, a do-over? You know, uh, I, I really like that about the new year and kind of what it brings. Kind of restart things. Maybe do something this year better than you did last year. Do something different. Be different. <clears throat> Find um, some different things. I like the opportunity to kind of start over a little bit. That's, that's what I think about during the new year. I'm not a big fan of resolutions um, and that kind of thing. But I, I do think that you should, um, I think it's a, a chance to start new and to be different. I, I was thinking a, a lot, Kevin and I were talking a lot about, you know, this service in particular and where we're headed, what we're going to do, and prayer was an important part of what we're doing, and um, I'm probably going to do another message or so on prayer, just specifically, but I just really felt like today I would focus on three Bible verses out of the Gospel of John. We're going to take uh, this year and go through the Gospel of John I'll probably break it up quite a bit, and we'll put a series in between here and there, but we're going to go through the entire gospel. Um, I like to do that and take at least one, one of the gospels or at least part of it during the year, and so we're going to focus on the gospel of John this year. So I'd like you to take your Bible out and turn to John chapter 1. We'll just look at the first three verses. But there's some exciting things that I think, the, the reason why I want to focus on that today is because of God, um, John's goal, uh, what he's after, what he wants to do, how he wants to communicate, who he wants to communicate it to. Each gospel author has um, an audience that they have in mind in the, uh, a particular focus, and um, Matthew <clears throat> He's got a Jewish audience that he's writing to in particular. Mark probably has a a Roman mind that he um, wants to communicate to. Luke, um, a Greek mind. Um, But John, he's different. It's kind of like he said, you know, you guys have covered a lot of things and I'm going to do it different. He's way more universal in how he wants to communicate. And that's why I think that John, the Gospel of John, is, is a lot of people's favorite uh, gospel to, to read through. It's also, um, I think, just maybe um, in, in so many ways, the best gospel to introduce somebody to who is not a believer in Jesus um, John just has a way of communicating things universally that I think are really important. Even his other letters, in particular 1st and 2nd John, are really great for people who 
uh, you're trying to introduce to the person of Jesus and a relationship with Christ. And this gospel is like that. And there's something that he's after that he has in mind. And it's actually summed up in one Bible verse that I think is really important and, and a great way to start off the new year. It's actually um, in chapter 20. And so before we read the first three verses, I want to read this verse together. And I hope that you pull out your Bible on your phone or your tablet or from one of those Bibles that are under the black chair in front of you. Um, I want you to see it for yourself, uh, grapple with it for yourself just a little bit. I'm going to try to confine myself, so to speak, to just this gospel. I'm going to use some Bible verses from some other places. But here's, here's, a, here's his goal all summed up in one verse right here. He says, but these are recorded. So he's recorded this. It's written down, right? So that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. That's his goal. That's why he's writing this. That's what he's after. And the goal of the Bible, the whole Bible the goal of God in becoming human and the goal of this gospel of John, they're, they're actually all the same. They're all the same and they're summed up in this verse. So to be faithful to this as we spend the year kind of unpacking this, to be faithful to John's purpose in the gospel, my goal is to help us believe in the Son of God and have life in his name. That's my goal, Right? Christ has overcome the world of darkness. He says that in John chapter 16, in verse 33. Believe in the light that you may become the sons of light, John 12, 36. God wants us to take the offense, I think. I think he wants us to be on the offense in this world and raid the darkness. I talked about raiding the darkness on Christmas Eve. And then last Sunday, if you... um, listened online or you tuned in or however you did it, listen to the podcast. I talk about raiding the darkness. It can't be overcome. The darkness cannot be over, um, cannot overcome the children of light. So John wants us to be children of light. We have purpose. We have a mission. We have a mandate to be children of light in a pretty dark place, in a pretty dark world. It's not all horrible and terrible, although we've experienced them craziness over the last year and the year before, right? Seems like things are really different. But we have a mission, we have a purpose, we have a mandate, and it's to be children of light and I think to raid the the darkness, to um, expose the darkness with light. So this book is written to help people believe in Christ and have eternal life and become children of light. Do you know anybody who needs to become a child, a child of light, who needs Jesus, who needs their life transformed and changed? You know people in your neighborhood. Do you know people um, in your family? Do you know folks that you work with or that you go to school with? Um, Of course you do. We all do. Oh, the Gospel of John, I think, can be really helpful with that. And so we want to utilize it. We want to know it. We want to understand it. And in the first three verses, I think it will change your thinking and rearrange it at minimum your thinking. I don't want you to uh, think, though, I don't want you to get in your head that this book, this Gospel, 
is only for people who don't believe. Sometimes we, we just call them, I don't like to use the word, but it's true, unbelievers, non-believers. I'd rather say people far from God. I don't want you to think that John is just writing that, uh, this book to, to just those kind of folks, right? That's, that's, that's not it. Believers in Jesus have to go on believing in Jesus in order to be saved. Yeah? Seriously? Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 6, he said, If anyone does not remain in me, he's thrown out like a branch and dries up, and such branches are gathered up and thrown into the fire and are burned up. It's kind of radical. And, and Jesus said to those who had believed him in John 8, 31, if you continue to follow my teaching, you are really my disciples. So when John says, these, these are recorded so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name, he meant that he was writing to awaken faith in people who don't believe. And sustain faith in people who do. And in that way, lead both to eternal life. That's his purpose. That's his goal. The gospel of John wants to help you keep on trusting, keep on cherishing, keep on valuing, keep on treasuring Christ above everything. Let's just read the first three verses together. In the beginning was the word And the Word was with God, and the Word was fully God. The Word was with God in the beginning. All things were created by Him, and apart from Him, not one thing was created that has been created. Just those first three verses, there's so much there. It's kind of crazy. The first thing that uh, I want you to notice or I, I want to point out, it's really my first point, and I just said personally seen. This is really important to John. The picture of Jesus is written by a person. It's drawn by a person. This picture of Jesus who has personally seen and who was a part of these really important events. I like that. I like the personal eyewitness account. It makes me really want to trust him. He was there, spent time with him. And you find this out if you just spend a little bit of time reading through the, uh, the New Testament, in particular this gospel. Five times in this gospel, you can find the unusual words, the one Jesus loved, or the disciple whom he loved. You can find that in John 13, John 19, John 20, John 21. For example, at the very end of his gospel in John 21, verse 20, it says, Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. Then four verses later, later excuse me, in John chapter 21, verse 24, it says, This is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things and who has written these things. So so the one called the disciple whom Jesus loved, who was there leaning on Jesus' shoulder at the Last Supper in John chapter 13, he wrote this book as his divinely 
God-inspired witness to the events of Jesus' life and what they mean for us. So that makes me want to sit up and pay attention. Makes me want to know. Makes me want to read it. Makes me want to investigate and learn some more about um, what he's got to say. Oh, that's kind of my goal in the new year. I, I just want to motivate you a little bit more to spend time in God's word. I, I said divinely inspired. That's kind of the next point. What does that mean? One of the reasons that I say it's divinely inspired is that this is what Jesus promised to do. He promised to do these things, all right? He said in John chapter 14, verse 26, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name will teach you everything and will cause you to remember everything I said to you. And in John chapter 16, verse 13, he says, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but will speak whatever he hears. In other words, Jesus chose his guys, his apostles, as his representatives, saved them, taught them, sent them, and gave them, through the Holy Spirit, divine guidance in writing in the writing of the scriptures for the foundation of the church. So this is for the church. This is for us. This is for you and me. This is for Christ followers. Those that believe and those that don't believe, right? This is, this is um, right out of Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20. We believe that John's gospel is then the inspired word of God. Those words, word of God, they're huge. They're all over those first three verses, right? They, they, they bring us to the first words, word of God, the first words of John's gospel. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was fully God. The word was with God. In the beginning, all things were created by him, apart from him. Not one thing was created that has been created. These are the verses we're going to focus on. Let's look at that, those two words or that phrase, the word. It's Jesus. In the beginning was the word. The most important thing to know about this word, it's found in verse 14. Verse 14, go slip down to verse 14 in the chapter. Now, the word became flesh and took up residence among us. Man, I really like the way the Bible says that, took up residence among us. Some of your versions might say dwelt or dwelled among us. When you say take up residence, that means lived right here. It says, we saw his glory, the glory of the one and only, full of grace and truth who came from the Father. So the word refers to Jesus Christ. John knows what he's about to write in these 21 chapters. He knows, all right? He knows. He's going to tell us the story of what Jesus Christ did and what he taught and this is a book about the life and the work of the man, Jesus Christ. The man that John knew and that he saw and that he heard and that he touched with his hands. He had flesh and blood. He ate, he drank, he got tired, and John knew him really close. He was very close to Jesus. Also, Jesus' mother lived with John in the last part of her life and. You find that in John chapter 19. So what John is doing 
in just three verses is telling us the most important things about Jesus that he can tell you and I. They're right here in just three verses. John does not want his readers to take more than three verses to find out what it took him a long time to know. He wants us to have in our minds, he wants us to just be fixed right here from the beginning of his gospel, the eternal royalty. He wants us to understand his deity and creator authority of Jesus Christ. He wants us to get all of that wrapped up just in three verses. Creator of the universe, and that's the point of verses one through three. He wants us to read this gospel worshipfully, humbly, He wants us to be submissive to it. He wants us to be awestruck that the man that you're going to read about later at the wedding, you remember some of those stories about what Jesus did at a wedding? And at the well, remember the woman at the well? Or on the mountain? He wants us to know all those things, amongst all those things, that Jesus is the creator of the universe. John wants us to see this. He wants us to feel it. He wants us to just be sort of stunned by it, I think. This is the structure of the, of, the, of the gospel. This is the way John wrote, the way God meant for him to put it together. Like I said, I think he wants to stun us a little bit. I, I think he wants us to be blown away with the identity of this man who became flesh and took up residence among us. John wants us to read every word of the gospel, this good news, with the clear, solid, amazed knowledge that Jesus was with God and was God and that the one who laid down his life for us created the universe. John wants us to know and believe in the spectacular spectacular savior whatever else you may enjoy about jesus john wants you to know and treasure jesus as his infinite eternal royalty but still we got to ask why did he choose to call jesus the word oh that's where i want to focus a little bit in the beginning was the word why did he choose to call him this John calls Jesus the word because he had to come to see the words of Jesus as the truth of God and the person of Jesus as the truth of God in such a a unified way that Jesus himself in his coming, in his working, in his deeds, in his teaching, in his dying, in his rising again was the message of God. Jesus was the message of God. And what God had to say to us was not just what Jesus said, but who Jesus was and what he did. His words define him and his work. Jesus said, I am the truth. You know those words, right? That's right out of John 14, verse 6. He came to testify to the truth, John 18, 37. He is the truth. John 14, 6, he said, if you continue to follow my teachings, you are really my disciples, John 8, 31. And he said, remain in me, John 15, 7. When we remain 
in him, we are remaining in the word. He said that his deeds or his works testify about him. In other words, in his working, he is the word. You ever feel like God is doing some work on you or in you or amongst you? I like referring to Jesus as God's message. Have you thought of Jesus that way? You know, John writes another unbelievable book. He, he's such a, a, a fantastic author. In Revelation chapter 19, verse 13, John describes Jesus' return, and it's magnificent. The picture that he paints is unbelievable. He, he describes him as he's, he's clothed in a robe dipped in blood when he returns. And the name that he's called is the Word of God. I love that. Jesus is called the Word of God as he returns to earth, as he comes back. So we celebrated the Lord's Supper and we're to do that. We're to remember that. And every time we do that, we're, we're to do that remembering until he comes. Until he comes again. Right? So the word of God is what Jesus is called as he returns to earth. Two verses later, John says, from his mouth comes a sharp sword. Revelation 19, 15. In other words, Jesus strikes the nations in the power of the word of God that he speaks. The sword of the spirit Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6. But the power of this word is so united with Jesus himself that John says that he doesn't just have a sword of God's word coming out of his mouth, but he is the word of God. Oh, now you see why you could describe me sometimes as almost being aggravated that people don't spend enough time right here in the word. I mean, if you're going to know who Jesus is, it's, it's right here. It is united with who he is, God himself, the word. You cannot, you cannot separate the believer from the word of God and I don't think truly be a believer. All of it's contained right here. You, you, you must know it. You must memorize it. Put it in your heart. Hide it in your heart. Live by it. It's got to be a deep part of your life. And John is making it clear. It's inseparable from Jesus, the creator of the universe. He's the truth, right? So as John begins his gospel, this good news that everybody needs, he has in focus all the revelation. All the truth, all the testimony, all the glory, all the light, all the words that come out of Jesus in his living, in, in his teaching, and in his dying, and in, in being risen from the dead. And he sums up all that revelation, all that truth of God with the name, he is the word. Oh. The first the last, the ultimate, decisive, absolute, true, and re reliable, authentic, trustworthy word 
The meaning is the same. As in Hebrews chapter 1, Hebrews chapter 1, just in two verses, it says, the Hebrew author says in verse 1 and 2, after God spoke long ago in various portions and in various ways to our ancestors through the prophets, in these last days he's spoken to us in a son whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he created the world. The son of God is God's word to the world, God's message to the world. I just want to kind of pull some observations together and maybe conclude a little differently than I kind of normally do. You know, I, for the last number of years, I like to ask this question, what does this have to do with me? If we're going to read this and we're going to spend some time in this, what does this have to do with me? I'm not really doing it that way this time specifically, but these observations, they're all about, I think, you and me. The first observation is, um, I think, what John wants to tell us first about this man, Jesus, whose deeds and words and works fill the pages of this gospel. Um, the first one is the time of his existence. Think about this, the time of his existence. Time's really important to us. In verse 1, it says, in the beginning was the word. The words in the beginning are identical in Greek, and I don't like to just wing a lot of these original or um, um, languages around, but I think they're kind of important right here. The words in the beginning are identical in Greek to the first two words in the Greek Old Testament. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Same words. That's not an accident. That's not an accident because the first thing John is going to tell us about what Jesus did is that he created the universe. I don't know if you thought of Jesus that way, but he's the creator of the universe. That's what it says in verse 3. So the words in the beginning mean before there was any created matter, there was the word, the Son of God, before anything. Have you ever talked to your kids about this? It's not an easy thing to describe to them. How can there be no beginning to anything? Well, remember John chapter 20, verse 31. These are recorded that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So John begins his gospel by locating Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God, in relation to time, before time. Uh, there's a little book in the New Testament called uh, Jude. It's a, a letter. Jude writes this letter. It's one page in most of your Bibles. And Jude, he ends his letter with his famous blessing or a benediction. He takes pleasure and satisfaction in this truth with his unbelievable um, last verse of his letter. In Jude chapter 1, verse 25, it says, To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, power, and authority before all time and now and for all eternity. It's such a great benediction, isn't it? Paul says in um, his letter 
We call it 2 Timothy in chapter 1, verse 9. He says, He is the one who saved us and called us with a holy calling, not based on our works, but on his own purpose and grace, granted to us in Christ Jesus before time began. He's saying that God gave us grace in Christ Jesus, Christ Jesus before time began. So before there was any time or any matter, there was the word, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That's who we meet in this gospel. That's him. It is stunning, isn't it? Oh, when you just ponder a little bit. Here's something else. I'm going to call it the ethos of his identity, the the nature of Jesus' identity, the essence of Jesus' identity, that's ethos. Verse 1 at the end, the word was God. One of the features of this gospel, this good news of John's, right, is that the doctrines are often delivered in the simplest words. I need simple This could not get simpler, actually. And it could not be more important. The Word who became flesh and took up residence among us, right? Jesus Christ was and is God. That's really foundational. There's a lot of people that believe in Jesus, but not that he's God. I think it's really important. Let everyone you know. It should be a part of everybody's story, everybody's testimony. It should be a part of a a conversation all the time amongst you. It, It should not be disconnected from who you are as a believer in Jesus, right? And our church. We worship Jesus Christ as God. We confess like Thomas. You know that story of Thomas where he was like this doubter that's like, I'll only believe it when I see it. You know that guy? Don't be too hard on him. Lots of people are like that. In front of Jesus, though, when he finds Jesus uh, to be (laughs) true and real, in John chapter 20, verse 28, John testifies, John records this. Thomas's confession with joy and excitement, what's he say? John 20, 20, my Lord and my God. Oh, that's a great testimony. That's a great part of his story. It should be a part of your story. The ethos of his identity right here, the essence of his identity is that he's God. We cannot escape that. That is us. There's another observation Jesus' relationship to God. I mean, he's God, but he's, there is a relationship there, right? Verse 1, in the middle of the verse, and the word was with God. You see that, right? In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was fully God. Now, that, that's a big deal. I'm going to take a whole Sunday or two and probably teach just on this. Because this is a word that we get this trinity doctrine, right? This is the heart of the doctrine of the trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Right here. This, this is straightforward. and You have to let this straightforward statement stand in your mind, sink into your heart. The word, Jesus Christ, 
was with God. And he was God. He is God, and he has a relationship with God. I know. He is God, and he is the image of God, perfectly reflecting all that God is and the fullness of deity in, the, in a distinct person. Yeah. There's one divine ethos, nature, essence, uh, and three persons. Oh, man. Two of them are mentioned right here, the Father and the Son. We learn those names later on in the book, in the gospel right here, and the Holy Spirit will be introduced later. And I'm going to take some time in that. Oh, I think it's huge. But if Jesus Christ is not God, he could not accomplish your salvation He couldn't save us. If you throw away the deity of Christ, you throw away your soul with with it and all your satisfaction in the age to come and in things in the future. So we've seen the time of his existence before all time, right? The ethos of his identity, the word was God and his relationship to God, the word was with God. And now, I just want to close with his relationship to the world. This is a big deal right here. Verses 2 and 3. Look at verses 2 and 3. The word was with God in the beginning. All things were created by him and apart from him. Not one thing was created that has been created. That sounds like a mouthful. That's a complicated sentence. I mean, you've got to spend a little bit of time with it. The word became flesh, took up residence among us. He taught us. Healed us, transformed us, admonished us, protected us, loved us, died for us, and created the universe. It's all in there. Remember, don't leave out the Trinity. We'll get to that. But don't leave out that mystery from verse 1. Don't leave it as soon as you get to verse 3. All things were made through him. Yes, there's another acting through the word God was. God the Father, but the Word is God. So don't let yourself to sort of downplay the, the unbelievable majesty and royalty of the work of Christ as creator. He is the Father's... Man, it's hard for me to come up with a word for this. He's the Father's agent. He's the Father's message or word in the creation of all things. But in doing it, he was God. God, the Word, created the world. Your Savior, your Lord, Jesus is your maker. All those things. I mean, this is magnificent, isn't it? One last thing. Jesus was not made. I just want to leave it right there. Jesus was not made. Again, my motive here is to inspire you, to challenge you, to fire you up a little bit regarding God's word. So John also said in the last part of verse 3, and apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. So what are the final words, just for a second, that has been created? Those are the final words. What, what, What do those add to the meaning of, and apart from him, not one thing was created? Why are they there? There's like you got to sit on that for a second. Here's what they add, all right? I'm going to give you the answer. 
Here's what they add. They make explicit. They are emphatic. They are clearer. They are crystal clear that anything in the category of made, Christ made it. Anything in the category of made, Christ made it. So, Christ was not made. Because before you exist, you can't bring yourself into being. It's as simple as that. Christ was not made. That's what it means to be God. And the word was God. Oh, I love the way John does this in the first three verses. It just makes me feel like I can't wait to just keep going and keep digging and keep being stunned. I love the way Jesus jumps off of every page in the Gospel of John, and we're going to discover that together. We're going to spend time over this next year, throughout the year, kind of diving in here and digging it out. I think the Lord wants to do some things with this gospel, with you, with me, with our church. I think he's going to. I think there are people you should introduce to the gospel of John. Remember what our mission and our mandate is, our purpose. It's all summed up in verse 31. It's the same as John's mission. But these are recorded so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Who needs to have life in his name in your life this year? Who are you going to go after? Who are you going to focus on? Who are you going to invite? Who are you going to pull into your sphere of influence, into your community group, into your family? Who? Bow your head with me and just focus just for a moment on, uh, on who. I think you could do both. Lord God, I, I, I think that what's so brilliant about this whole thing is, is that you can transform and change us at the same time. You can, you can use us to transform and change other people just with our story. We don't have to have it all together. I'm, I'm praying, God, that this year, if there's anything different about this year, that we would just be more focus, Lord God, on helping people and explaining Jesus so that they can believe and have life in his name. That's, that's why we're here. That's why Fail Christian exists. That's why you created us to be in relationship with you, Lord. So go before us as we walk across the bridge. Light a fire under us and help us to Immerse ourselves in your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Vail Christian Church Podcast. If you have any questions, would like to know more information about our church, or would like to see the video cast of this message, please visit our website at www.vailchristian.com.